0: What's up, everybody? How are you? How are you holding up? You guys good? Because I'm good. Life is good. It is a beautiful day. In the northeastern part of the United States of America, yo. The sun is out. The leaves are changing. The times are changing. It's a beautiful day. My oh my. I live in a gorgeous part of Long Island, New York. Now I heard this when I was a young lad. That if you were to cut Long Island into a rectangle, could be done, and you were to take that rectangle and move it all across the United States of America, I believe it's 20 miles north and south, it's about 120 miles east and west. That if you were to take this triangle triangle rectangle, have I been saying triangle? What the fuck am I talking about? If you were to take this rectangle and move it anywhere in the United States, that is the richest rectangle out of any part of America. And a lot of people, when they think of Long Island, they think of Chris Wyman, Matt Sarah, Alia Quinta, Algermaine Sterling, Ike Feldman. They think we're a bunch of goombas, guidos, v-neck wearing, good looking, steal your girl, kick your ass type of guys. Some of that may be true. I'll let you decide. But I also like to let people know that the Vanderbilts, the Rockefellers, Robert Moses, presidents. All po- great Gatsby, all posted up on Long Island. Long Island also has one of the greatest soldiers come out of this wonderful piece of real estate. In American history. Now, I am not pro war. I am pro resolution, pro solution, pro problem solving. But sometimes you have to fight for peace. I believe that. And the first American soldier to receive the Silver Medal of Honor came out of Patchogue, New York. Michael Murphy, who was a double major graduate at Penn State University and then following his collegiate studies, became one of the most decorated soldiers in American history. And that's what Long Island is about, balance. You have the great Gatsbys. You have these amazing warriors. Balance. That's actually how I try to broadcast myself. Intelligent, but not a pushover. Last night, I just did my first Twitter Spaces, Spaces 1, with you, Space Cadets. I'm going to do it more often. I I believe it's an excellent way to connect with the community. It can be cool. I have to get better at the interface, which I will. But following my Twitter... Twitter Space, which I had about like six people join, not bad. I had no idea how to uh, get them involved, take their call, take their opinion. Yes, I've turned Twitter Space into a digital radio show. <coughs> pretty cool. Pretty, pretty cool. But my point is, follow my intense. Twitter Space One. Go listen to it. It's on the Believe podcast platform, the Under the Ictagon. I gave some pretty intense hard takes in my radio style. I enjoyed it. And there is a release after you do it. And I talked about finding natural releases of dopamine and rinse and repeat those because that is the healthiest. If you do consecutive, consistent, stay disciplined and incorporate natural dopamine releases... Go back and listen. I I lay it out for you. Alcohol and pizza is not one of them. As much as it may get you high, alcohol and pizza is not a healthy dopamine release. Nor is weed. When you're abusing it. I'll go even as far as to say exercise. You can abuse it. You can break down your body just because you need that release. It's all about balance. I just did an intense two and a half months to get myself in pretty decent shape you know uh, I, I consider myself back at the mean. I'm average in my opinion. Now where I go from here is the most important part. Do I fall back into the pizza ice cream and beer hole? A beer hole or do I continue to push forward improve myself physically, mentally spiritually? Because I did two and a half hard months from body weight to bands to five pounds to 10 pounds to sprints, hill runs, kickboxing. So, where do I go from here? Do I improve? Because now I'm on a two-week staycation. Holy moly. I said I'm going to take off one week following this big rebuild. Now it's poured into week two. It's Friday into week two. I do a very simple diet. I do five days on. No crazy sugar. No pies. Sugar uh, Ice creams. Uh, chocolates. Chocolates. No beer, no donuts, no fast food, no pizza, no Chinese, no burgers. I do five days of that. Two days. Happy Fatter Day and Sugar Sunday. Mm -mm -mm. I, I say this a lot to people. I want to eat on the weekends so much that I hate myself. And Monday... I roll back into my exercise routine, and I just kill another week and just grow and improve. But now this one-week staycation is going on two weeks. I just had an apple turnover at 11 a.m. On a Friday. That is dangerous. That is is dangerous. Now I'm trying to figure out how to respark the exercise engine. I'm thinking maybe do something extremely fun. Whether that's go run with the dog, go to the beach and throw footballs at targets. Something. Something something something. Go shoot hoops. Go skateboard. Something that isn't a grind necessarily. Something that I enjoy. Because I don't ever want to do something that I hate to do. But I must do. Not at this point. At this point, like I said, life is good, baby. And I feel like I'm in a good rhythm of recording. I know I've been spotty recording five days a week, and then not recording for a month straight, I promise you, I'm in a good zone right now, good focus, everything is coming together, I promise you, the spaces thing will continue, I hope it grows, I hope I continue to get more listeners, callers, space cadets, whatever you guys want to be. And I know it will happen. But it takes consistency and discipline. And being true to yourself. And I believe mixed martial arts is a reflection of real life. Especially in this age. When not every fighter is making six figures yet. Yet. It will happen, but not yet. Being true to yourself in the cage the night of the fight. You know if you put in that extra work. You know if you had that (laughs) apple turnover at 11 a.m. You know what you did. Everything you eat, everything you eat. You'll be watching you, 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 yeah. One more donut down my esophagus. I know I eat too much. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know if you put in the work. You know if you're Sean Brady. Michael Chiesa, Misha Tate, Caitlin Vieira, you know if you put in the work if you're going to win before the fight. There may be some adversity, turmoil, some uh, events or movements you didn't plan for in the fight, but that's what you trained for. That's what you prepared for. And you know if you're going to win. You know it. There's no hiding in there. And I loved how Dennis Bazukia, a member of Law MMA, a man who just fought at Ring of Combat seventy four in Atlantic City, who had a opportunity on the Dana White Contender Series, he did not get the win against the killer. But he will be in the UFC, no doubt. This guy is a stud. He he's on the same management team as Israel. Adesanya, and Conor McGregor. Real recognizes real. And this guy, Dennis Bazookia, said an amazing quote, or hammered home my quote, that the truth is revealed on fight night. That you build your body, you build your mind, but the soul is expressed on fight night. And his soul was expressed. Ring of Combat 74. He put the whooping on his opponent. Knockout in the first round. Jumping on the cage. He is now the face of Albanian MMA. And it's a pretty face. As long as he stays true to himself. Stays true to the journey and the path. And respects the journey. He will be a superstar. But there's many bridges to cross. There's many people to win against before he gets there. But I know he will. So, I'm back. I'm feeling good. Life is good. The weather is good. I worked so freaking hard last year that I didn't know that the leaves on the tree, the biggest tree in my yard, were yellow. I walked past this tree at least 500 times last fall. At least. I did not know it was yellow. Wow. It's not stopping and smelling the roses. It's stopping and noticing that your tree is fucking yellow. Okay. It's not the same, but it. you get my point. I was out of balance. I was out of whack. But I had to be. I had to push. I had to work hard. I had to help renovate the house. To get my wife and I in this house so that way she can be comfortable for the birth of my beautiful baby boy. It's the hardest I ever worked in my life. And we did it with my wife's planning. I looked at us as a team of. Uh, the CSI, you know the lady with the thick frame glasses who's like, oh, he's on your left. If you go down Willis Street, he'll be right on your right. Who's coordinating in the office with the agent on the ground? Well, my wife was the Home Depot consultant, the money manager, uh, material manager, designer, and your boy was boots on the ground. Great team effort. My wife is... She's slowly but surely. She's climbing the ranks as teammates that I've associated myself with. And I consider myself one of the best teammates. Not just because I have an award uh, that says I'm the best teammate for a collegiate baseball team. Because I believe... I can work around people's deficiencies. I understand that there are different personalities. There's different stressors and angst in different people, of course. But you won't quit on me. I will make sure of it. I I think it's from the movie 300, Smile on the Face of Danger, or something. That's kind of how I feel. Adversity is just a test for oneself to grow. My wife is climbing the ranks of teammates. But life is good. I pray every day. I am very thankful for everything I've been blessed with. I feel extremely fortunate, lucky to be raised the way I was. I wouldn't have it any other way. I feel like I would crumble if I was in my mother's and father's position. The previous generation's position coming up. Too much adversity. Moving to a different country. Not knowing your parent at an early age. That might break me. The adversity that I have is up to par with the level, and so on and so forth. My son will have it easier than I, and I had it easier than my father. Life is good. Please, whatever generation you are, whatever situation you are in, you will figure it out. I promise you. You're too damn smart not to. Now, will the fighters tomorrow night, UFC Fight Night 198, will they figure it out? Will they problem solve? Are they going to express their souls properly in the cage tomorrow? Again, guys, my name is Isaac Feldman, Ike Feldman. For short, I think I saved about two letters there, but I'm um, economical. Follow me on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, Eiktagon.com. Everything. You guys ready for the preview? UFC 198? If you aren't into audio, why are you here this far? Why are you listening 20 minutes in? If you are into print, head to NBCSportsEdge.com. Find the MMA section or combat sports section, Boxing MMA. And find my articles. If you like print. If you like video, go to YouTube. Ike I just did an amazing interview, probably one of the most gentle approaches I've ever gone with during an interview. It hit home for me. The only UFC fighter on the roster, Natan Levy, was gracious enough to grant me his time for an interview. Much appreciated, Natan. Really, really great guy from Israel. And of course, I had to put the Ike Arm Bar Mitzvah spin on it. I played a clip from my father. Let me see if I can find it. Uh, I think I got it. Okay. This is my father, Manachem, to Natan. Hey, Natan. What's your Moni from New York. I really, really want to see you in, in November. In MMA. And I know that you are going to us the Israelis the Mikave, She She Tohirla Lakulam, the animeonod Rutse Lirotha, the Gava, Shalam Israel. Okay, Litrao the the Tlacha. Thank you, Abba. I appreciate it. I think he made me look great. I think he got me. On the good side for Natan. And obviously I I think I get on everybody's good side after I interview them. I consider myself a pretty damn good interviewer. You find out a lot about people during an interview. You also find out a lot about people when they're around other people. But... Natan... Great dude, great fighter, great story. He's fighting this Saturday, tomorrow, UFC Fight Night 198. And go check out the interview if you like video. But UFC 198 preview, let's get it. It is a step down from recent cards in terms of name value. But what this event lacks in publicity, it makes up for with a slew of prospects to keep an eye out for moving forward. My dude Steve is doing the main event for these UFC Fight Night cards. I am doing the undercards. Let him get the easier fight to break down your boy, who obviously knows more about this sport, will do the other fights. I think a lot of people are getting twisted with their MMA knowledge with Yanni the Greek being in the mix so heavily on the Dana White Contender Series. Yeah, if you see this guy, he's wrestling. I see him passing two rounds, maybe three rounds, cash that bet all day. Yanni has tried to turn mixed martial arts into a numbers... An at a Linux game. Which it is not. This is one of the most touch and feel sports out there. One of the most emotional sports. The greatest sports movies are probably fight movies. Why? Because there's so much emotion. Because fighting is not for everybody to do. It's in our DNA to fight. Whether it was fighting off dinosaurs... Or fighting in a cage. Fighting is in our DNA. There was no basketball. It wasn't like uh, the T-Rexes were playing the pterodactyls. Or the raptors in Toronto. Fighting is in our bones. And I think you guys know why these companies allow me to... Speak so much. Write so much record. Be in the combat sports spotlight for them. I think you guys understand. Blood, sweat, and tears for this sport. I love. It's changed my life. My wife, not that I mean it I mean kind of sort of my wife is a black belt. I'm through in and through out. A combat sports addict. I love this sport. And I promise you, these words, my points, my takes could be dead right, could be absolutely out of this world wrong. It comes from a place of love, a place of experience. I'm not doing this to make a lot of money. I love this sport. I trained years before I, before I was even near a microphone in a studio. In New York City. Years. I respect the game. I care about the game. For example. Al Yaquinta. Who... Was the first guest, first UFC fighter that graced the octagon and graced the airwaves for the octagon. He had a tough fight at UFC 268 against Bobby Green. It did not go his way. And now he has announced his retirement. And it's so much emotion goes into interviews, fight weeks, fight nights. I live and die with these guys' fights. Especially the people that I truly respect. Especially people that are local. Local. Kids that have seen the same things I've seen growing up, been in similar settings that I've been. There's a a closeness there, and I try to exp- I try to explain this. I go, guys, I get anxious on fight days. Guys, I get anxious on fight days, and family and friends. I don't think they understand. I I just. I've grown accustomed now to watching the fights alone. Uh, I even enjoy watching the fights with my wife more than anybody I know or associate with because she understands where this is coming from. And when Al Yaquinta last night announces his retirement to the sport of MMA, who which is basically has been all he knows for the last 10 to 15 years, training, competing, fighting. I need to take a step back and think. Put myself in his shoes. Why is he going through this emotion? I hear one quote, I don't believe it. I see another thing. He says that he can't train like these other guys. I don't know, Al. You kind of looked in the best shape I've ever seen you. You didn't have that Long Island beer gut going. You was shredded. Looked great. I just think it really stung him. It's the first fight of his career in Madison Square Garden, maybe 30 miles from where he grew up. That's what everybody says. And it's not only local to him, and it's the local arena. It's Madison freaking Garden. Madison Square freaking Garden. The world's most famous arena. Ali Fights. Pacquiao fights, Mayweather fights, Canelo, Triple G, Lomachenko, McGregor, GSP, Daniel Cormier, the BMF title, there's a reason why the big shows happen every November for the UFC, outside of 2020, of course. The world's most famous arena, the Mecca. And I do think they need to change the Mecca narrative because there is an actual me- Mecca. I would love to hear what Khabib's thought or is like, hey, Khabib, you fought in the Mecca. No, I did not fight in Mecca. We wear robes and we pray in Mecca. Uh, that's not what I saw. I saw you kicking ass against Michael Johnson, UFC 205, putting on that Kamor lock, talking to Dana. I saw you fighting the Mecca. No, 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 no. He's his last chance. I did not fight the Mecca. Wait, so. No more chances. So, for Al to fight and lose in the Mecca, not, there I go, to fight at MSG. Dissatisfied, disappointed. And as I'm on this two week staycation with my diet, you hope that Al who said he's in the best shape of his life, more focus. who cut out the bad stuff, he doesn't drift, even if he d- does a two-month layoff. You hope that he doesn't drift too far. I would like to see him, if and when he retires, to go out on top with the win. I do not believe he is retired. So, fighters who are not retired, man, this got emotional. I was about to get into this card. On an up note, it's a down note, but deal with it. Deal with it. Let's see. Do I have uh, any beats? Let's see. Okay. Can you hear me? Can you hear me? Okay. UFC Fight Night 198. Sean Brady. Michael Chiesa. First off, this matchmaking is at its finest. I hope this isn't coming in too loud. Physically and stylistically speaking, both of these men are high-level MMA grapplers. The interesting part of this fight is the psychological side to see which fighter is more motivated. Kiesa, following a huge loss or the unbeaten Brady who's getting the biggest opportunity of his career. After falling short in his highest profile fight to date against Vincent Luque, Michael Kiesa is trying to prove he is still climbing towards his peak. Enter in the UFC by winning the Ultimate Fighter Reality Series and go to my Twitter page. The UFC did an excellent job of putting this piece together where Michael Chiesa, they show his journey and how emotional his stint on the Ultimate Fighter was. His father died during the filming of that show. And when I look back, Al uh, Quinta was 4-0 on the uh, the show part of it and then lost to Michael Chiesa in the finale. I didn't know that Chiesa was dealing with the loss of a parent, especially someone that he held that close to him. And there was nobody that was going to stop him. He was a choo-choo train that was coming for that ultimate fight in title and uh, respect to him, real respect to him, but Kiesa, who had ups and downs in the lightweight division. And then I think he was undefeated, unstoppable at 170 pounds, submitting people, just filling out to that frame, look phenomenal. And he's facing a guy who is a great grappler, a Philly native who comes to bang, who is a former CFFC champion, a a lower level pro fighting organization. And I think it's going to be a 15-minute high-level grappling chess match. I got Kiesa bouncing back in a big way. I got Kiesa winning via decision. The fight before this, Adrian Giannis versus Davy Grant. Oh, my. This should be a freaking slugfest, a phone booth fight. I expect Giannis not to get reeled into a firefight and to use his powerful, powerful striking. This guy looks like a string bean, but he hits like a freaking bull, especially for that weight class. I like Adrian Giannis to win via a second round TKO. Now, Pat Sabini, USA Combat Sambo participant. Who I believe won the silver medal for to make the to make the what was it? Uh, I guess it would be to qualify for the the World Championships. He, as well as Sean Brady, is a CFFC champion as well. Sabini, his strong suit is grappling. And it makes sense. Combat Sambo grappling is fast. And it's right to the point. If you guys see Makachev, Islam Makachev, or Mahachev, and Habib Nurmagomedov. They are both combat sambo champions. The way they get to a finishing position is amazing. Their fights in sambo are five minutes. How perfect! A round in the UFC is five minutes. So Sabini, not to the, not on the same level as Khabib or Islam, but is still a very successful USA combat sambo member. He's facing Tucker Lutz who is big for the weight class and has avoided being his is submitted in 13 career professional fights which is Sabini's strong suit. Lutz is tough and outworks his opponents but being tough and having great cardio is not enough. I like Sabini to win not by submission but by a decision. The fight before that. And again, guys, go to my YouTube page, Eiktagon, if you want to see this exclusive Natan Levy interview. Natan Levy is facing Hafa Garcia. Garcia has no problem pitting himself in front of his opponents. He's a scrapper. He's Mexican. It's that Mexican boxing style that they will stand in front of you, bait you into their trap, and slug it out. If you see Nate Diaz who marches down people with the upward guard, that's the Mexican boxing style. If you see what Floyd Mayweather did later in the fight where Connor's like, oh, he went Mexican on me what who is the most politically correct person in the world, what he meant to say was that his style switched up to a closed guard in front of your face and you march down your opponent you let them hit the guard until they essentially leave an opening for you to capitalize on. Natan Levy is smarter than to fall for getting stuck in a slugfest. He is he has an extensive karate background but has fallen in love with the grappling game. He has an excellent gas tank, he's strong, competitive. I see Levy who is moving up a weight class to lightweight, being on the legs of Garcia early, clinch work, elbows, shooting up and down for singles, body locks, uh, body locks, dirty boxing, winning the clinch exchanges, bringing the fight down to the mat when he can. I don't necessarily see a submission. I think Garcia is tough enough, smart enough, has enough in the gas tank to survive any submission attempt that Levy throws out there, but I do like Natan Levy to win. And a fight before that Terrence McKinney one of the craziest stories a kid who wanted to be in the Olympics who was a very successful wrestler early on in his career did too many drugs in a single night acid, mushrooms, weed, alcohol Cops had to come, taser him. That probably didn't help. And then he died on his way to the hospital. His heart stopped working. And now he has a new lease on life and is taking advantage of it. But he needs to be more disciplined. He fought a local guy, Matt Frivola, in his last fight. The fastest knockout in UFC lightweight history. But he injured himself celebrating. We've seen that with Martin Gramatica, I think, when he was on the Cardinals. He hit a game-winning field goal. Hip, hip, hooray, jumped in the air, lands on his knee. It's silly, it's sad, and you hope he's learned from it. But that happened in April and he's fighting tomorrow. He's fighting a legit striking expert. K1 kickboxer, Fares Ziam. I don't like that McKinney came back this fast. You had a fight bonus. I'm sure you did. Seven seconds, the fastest knockout in lightweight history. I'm sure you got the bonus. Did you have to come back so soon? Now we've seen freaks like Tony Ferguson injure his knee in April, come back in October, and put a whooping on Anthony Pettis. So it has been done before. And I I think it takes that certain mindset to be able to fight through and return after a... I would say he was, he was so high after the record knockout victory that it kind of made him even keel. So I don't like the, the speed of this turnaround, but McKinney can prove me wrong. We'll see. I like for us Ziam to win the decision. It's going to be a great night of fights. There it is. The outro music. I love you guys. I really do. reciprocate the love follow me like everything retweet view do what you guys do I really appreciate the support the love from the gram Fram, twitter linkedin facebook youtube I really appreciate it your boy Isaac Ike the armbar mitzvah Feldman is ousie